Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Siege, a week from today, uh, you and I will both be... I guess around this time, by the time the podcast drops, we will be probably looking to get into the Bell Center for the NHL entry draft in Montreal. And of course, after that, uh, free agency will start. We are firmly in off-season mode, but in a very crucial part of the off-season. I always like to do the little mental health checks. also like to, you know, just check in on you. How are you feeling? How's the phone blowing up? Take us through the life of Chris Johnston during this crucial time in the off-season. I'm dragging my butt a little bit. Um, still just like the, the hangover maybe from the cup final, not literal, but uh, hmm. the, the travel and all that stuff. Um, but I'm excited. It's look, it's a fun time of year. It's, it's really compressed, you know, as a Friday players can start being bought out. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about the, the, the deadline for qualifying offers to restricted free agents. And some guys probably won't get those. So that'll add to the UFA pool. Of course, next Thursday, Friday, the 7th and 8th, we've got the draft in Montreal. I would expect plenty of trade activity around um, that time because that, that tends to be what happens. And then on top of that, not too far in the distant future, less than two weeks from today, we're, we're looking at the opening of free agency. So this is, uh, this is really the period of time, this and the trade deadline, where most of the action happens in the league in terms of turning rosters over, uh, making fundamental changes. I mean, if we're being honest, there's just there's not a lot of trades in between August and February or March, depending on the deadline is. And then, of course, you can't trade basically from March until now. So um, this is this is where the action happens. This is where the front offices, all the work they put in shows through and ultimately where the GMs make their money and where there's going to be some mistakes made, too. But uh, the fun is weeding through all that and trying to figure out what's what's a good move, what's a bad move and which teams improve. This is basically an elaborate way of saying, please don't be insulted if I have to go off camera to break a trade. Well, I'd love that, but um, <laughs> we'll see. We had the Kevin Fiala deal already now. I mean, there's there's, there's definitely going to be more action to come. Yeah, you know, I still see fundamentally the problem, you know, with the cap only going up a million dollars is just a lot of teams don't have cap space. Like a lot of the really good teams, when we get into maybe some of the free agent talk, you know, you're, you're going to see a common theme there. It's like Colorado has all these free agents who just want a cup. Obviously, they love those players, but they won't be able to keep them all. And then, then the, the, the flip of that is, you know, Colorado won't be in the mix to make a big trade probably because they, they don't have the cap space. And so, you know, that's that's where things can get challenging. Uh, but there's obviously going to be deals and, and, and movement, and we don't even know who's going to be the top pick in the draft. I mean, there's there's a lot of – it's just, it's going to be a fun time. I mean, if you're a hockey fan who likes the business side of the sport and the transaction side of the sport, I mean, this is, this is what you live for. Uh, don't, don't turn your Twitter off for too long. No. Yeah, exactly. And, and this podcast, I think we'll, 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 we'll tap into that too. You mentioned the, uh, the top of the draft order. We'll get into some odds for that uh, in our little sports interaction segment. Uh, we'll go through a, uh, a pretty big list that you put together for North Star bets of the best available free agents. You have 30 on that list. I feel as if like for everybody, maybe it's best we do like the 10 best to maybe go through some honorable mentions. 
Uh, we have to also update everyone on Hockey Canada and everything going on there with all of the corporate pressure that's been going on the last few days. We'll talk more about the Kevin Fiala trade. Uh, but one thing that also just comes to mind, too, with, with Friday coming up and, and the buyout period starting, I think so. I forget who asked this on uh, on Discord, but I know some people have been starting to wonder, like, hey, so who's like a top like buyout candidate? I'm just curious from your perspective. How do you see that period uh, going about for different teams this year? To be honest, I haven't spent a ton of focus reporting on that or thinking about that even. Um, but, you know, there's there's going to likely be some buyouts. I mean, there's there's occasionally some cases and this is where I wish I had done some homework, um, where even a buyout, it just, it just makes sense, you know, with sometimes teams get a credit for a buyout, um, you know, but let me, uh, let me do some work on that. Because <laughs> I don't think it's not like Fridays, you know, I know this pod drops Thursday. It's not like on Friday, there's going to be 10 buyouts. I mean, the, the bio period runs through July 12th. Um, so, you know, it, it usually happens over a period of time. And, and, you know, I'll have more. I don't want to just start throwing names at the wall when I, you know, don't haven't done the work on that just yet. Hey, look, it's better we do that as opposed to just speculating wildly and coming across as not credible. I'd, I'd rather that than you know that. And I wasn't to put you on the on the uh, on the spot by the no, way. No, it's a fair question. Look, it's just it literally my focus so much. You know, I did a fair amount of reporting on that top thirty UFAs piece. You know, involved a lot of reaching out to people, trying to get a sense of where the market is what's happening with certain players, of course. And so I, I've put most of my energy since the cup ended towards getting my mind around how free agency is going to go here. And so I haven't quite got to the buyout thing. I mean, typically what you get five or six, seven players bought out. Sometimes it's guys that are pretty clearly basically at the end of their career. Every once in a while, it's someone who then goes and signs and, and just maybe they make too much for that team situation, but they're still a pretty good player, but um, I just don't have the answer at this moment. And dude, like, Covering the buyout period compared to a top 30 UFA list is kind of like like covering the buyout period is like how I would say small fries and side order. Like, don't worry about that. You put a lot of effort into something that we're going to be talking about a little bit more throughout the uh, the offseason. So don't 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 sweat yourself with that. No, don't worry no, about I, that. I just I like to show my work. I like to be honest. I like to tell you when I know something and, and I'm not afraid to tell you if I don't know the answer to something, too. And, you know, the, my one takeaway from the bigger list, and, and obviously it's not really practical for us to go through 30 names and, and 30 situations, in in the podcast form, but it's it's actually a decently deep free agent pool. I would say, I mean, I think on my list, I had Josh Manson at number 20. Um, you know, that's, that's a guy who just was in the top four of a cup winning team. Um, you know, I know he's, he's not a, an offensive, you know, he, he brings a sort of skill set. He brings sort of the Ben Sherratt kind of toolbox, a physical player, not, not going to put up big offensive numbers. So maybe not a glitzy or glamoury name, but I mean, it's still pretty proven commodity. You know, I had Marc-Andre Fleury somewhere in the 20s uh, on the list. And so, again, the name value with Marc-Andre Fleury speaks for itself. We're talking about a future Hall of Famer. And I think, you know, if he goes to a new team, meaning if he doesn't stay in Minnesota, which is still a possibility, you know, that'll be a big signing in that market. He's just because of what a big name and personality is. So, you know, I actually think we have a reasonably deep free agent pool We'll see some of the guys at the top with the guys we will talk about may or may not still sign. So they might not actually hit the open market. But, you know, I think that it's it's going to be, for my money, pretty good free agent season. Um, you know, it's hard to predict the trades around the draft. There's always so much noise heading in. And I feel like I feel like often we oversell it sort of like we'll have all these names in the rumor mill and then you get there. And then the one trade that happens on draft night maybe doesn't live up to a lot of the rumors ahead of time. But um you know, I, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty fun uh, week and a half here. Oh, I definitely think so. Before we get to the top free agent list, let's have a discussion about some of the top draft picks uh, expected to be taken in the upcoming draft next week. And we can do that in our You Can Bet That Show uh, segment, I should say. We don't have David Bastel, but CJ and I are going to be able to do that ourselves. And we can make it more of a conversation about uh, who could be taken between Shane Wright and Yuri Slavkovsky, while also mentioning some of the odds available from Sports Act, Sports Interaction. Uh, as always, this is 19 plus if you're playing with Sports Interaction, play responsibly, and there is a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of the show. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. As I alluded to earlier, uh, CJ wrote a expansive piece for North Star Bets on the 30 biggest available unrestricted free agents. I'd, I'd like to go through, if we can, uh, the 10 best, but we can throw in some honorable mentions because if you look through like picks, well, not picks, but players 11 through 30, there are still some pretty high quality players that teams could throw some money at to build their team. So what if we do like, you know, who do you have at number 10 and then nine, eight on up? How do you, how do you like that order idea? I like it. Do you have the list? So, cause I don't have it in front of me. So if, if I have you could team me up 10, nine, eight, then, then that would be helpful. I have the list in front of me and I can mention who's 10 and, and, and mention their cap hits and whatever we can get through that, but I have the list. So let's start with number 10. Too, in my process yes. here, this is highly subjective. Um, like it's not really meant to say if you like player nine ahead of player 10, that I screwed it up. It's just more, it's, it's basically taking a gauge of name value, obviously ability interest that I think would be on the market if the player gets the market. And, you know, it's, it's sort of cobbling that together into some, list you know and i'll say too julian like when i was doing this i had my initial 30 and it's more or less the 30 names that that you see in the final list but i sent it to a few people i trust that work for teams and they made some suggestions guys to move up and down and so i took their feedback that way one of the things i ended up doing there's no goalies in the top 10 but i did move the goalies up quite a bit uh the top goalies from where i had them initially uh, at the suggestion you know from a couple of people who just said look there's so many teams that need goaltenders we know it's slim pickings among that group but maybe move those up. I had Jack Campbell, the highest rated among my goalies. I, that was not my call. That was, I again, surveyed. Basically, there's four names I think will be the top goalies on market in some way. It's going to be Campbell, Kemper, Huso, and Fleury. Um, you know, so I took impact there. That, that's sort of how it works. Anyway, it's not meant to be definitive. It's more meant to be, here's, here's a flavor of what I'm hearing on the marketplace. And I, that's thank you for explaining your process, because that is really cool, because it's not just you looking at whoever's available and just thinking, oh, OK, I think this guy's more valuable. You, you actually put some work into this. Yeah, well, I mean, that's my job, right? It's 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 meant to be fun, too. Like, I don't obviously know where every free agent's going. I, I've linked some teams to some of these guys because I think the needs line up. But, um, yeah, we're just we're two weeks out or a little less than two weeks out and we're going to be reporting the hell out of this now from now until uh, through the 13th. Let's get started with number 10 on this list. Big Val of uh, currently of the Colorado Avalanche, Valerie Nachuskin, uh, was making 2.5 million this year. We've seen uh, what he was able to do in the postseason, standing out as a great two-way forward. 
and you have the choo-choo train, as some people call him, at number 10 on the UFA list. Yeah, and I would say if I had compiled this list, say, before the playoffs, just for argument's sake, he would have been probably one of the biggest risers, right? I mean, he had a great regular season, uh, by far his best as an NHL player, or most productive. But I think what you saw from him in the playoffs uh, in the Stanley Cup final specifically, playing on a broken foot, it appears, based on his Instagram and the x-ray he put up there, you know, I, I think moved him up the list. And, and were he to get to market, I think he would have some really intriguing options and, and fair amount of interest. I don't, as we're recording this now, though, expect him to become a UFA. I think of Colorado's many players on expiring deals, he's considered their top priority uh, when it comes to getting him signed. I believe he wants to stay there. You know, let's remember, he had a tough time in Dallas uh, early in his career. He was actually bought out there uh, a couple of years ago, and he's found a home and a comfort in, in Colorado. He's obviously blossomed into this player. He's just won a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, we'll have to see how things go. I think they're still cleaning the champagne off the walls there uh, rather than getting down and, and, and dirty on contract negotiations. But I think that there's a, a huge desire from his side and the team side uh, to, to sign an extension and, and keep him from hitting the open market. That was a nasty photo of that foot, by the way. It's crazy. I mean, and, and we know, look, at I heard Tampa's list of injuries. We probably won't get it to them this show, but but like every team that plays that long deals with it, but it's it's still, it's it's what a grueling thing it is to win that cup. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of pain, no gain or whatever. And I know we got to be careful about how we glamorize that, but the fact that players go through stuff like that is just insane. Let's get to number nine on our list here. Uh, Evander Kane, uh, who last played for the Edmonton Oilers and uh, led the team in goals throughout the postseason campaign. Well, at this point, this is a complicated one, right? And absolutely, at this point, this is where things stand. You know, the Oilers, as we know, have shown interest in keeping Kane. I think he's open to the idea, but as of this time, there's there's sort of no momentum. It would seem towards signing a contract there. So you have that one piece of factual info then we have the fact that he's still involved in this grievance with the san jose sharks it's not going to be resolved by the arbitrator before july 13th and so if if those sides don't reach some kind of you know settlement between themselves before free agency then we're going to go into free agency with the possibility that the arbitrators award could uh potentially put him back to san jose potentially i'm not saying that will be what happens and then on top of that you know, he just had a pretty productive regular season, very productive playoffs in terms of goal scoring, and he might hit the open market. And so I, it's a long way of saying I really don't know how this one's going to play out, or I don't even have a strong feeling. My, my best sense is that he's going to hit the market and we'll, and we'll see what's out there for him, could sign a deal. And then if they go through it, the, the full arbitration, there's a chance he gets back to San Jose. You know, but I mean, I think logically, if we look at this, if he signs somewhere else where he's happy to sign, I think there's a lot of incentive to reach some kind of settlement with the Sharks um, because I don't think it benefits anyone if, if he were to be put back to that organization, especially if he's moved on to something, you know, somewhere else he wants to play, gets a contract he's happy with. You know, the rest is basically business between him and the Sharks about the money and the cap hit and all that. And, and you know, I think they can work it out then. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting – I think he's one of the more interesting free agents because – you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff in his past, um, but, you know, he did have a great season in Edmonton and even the Oilers want to keep him. I think that says a lot about the year he had is that, that Edmonton's, you know, the team that still would, would most like to sign him if they could. Uh, by the way, I don't know if uh, there was a weird sound thing that kind of picked up. I was just trying to double check uh, how, if Evander Kane still led the entirety of the playoffs in scoring. And that's why I didn't preface it as that he ended the end of the postseason tied for the, the lead leading goals with uh, Nathan McKinnon at 13. And I think whatever page I found that from, there was some video they might've played. So that's why I think CJ looked a little thrown off at one point. Yeah. I didn't know if, uh, I didn't know if like producer Nick was chiming in and being like, cut it. This is garbage. We got to stop or what, but uh, let's, let's yeah. just truck on. Let's do it. Let's go to number eight here. Uh, a player who it's been kind of known for a little while that they were going to test the market. Uh, and I know Pierre Lebrun uh, wrote about that in his latest uh, John Klingberg, uh, the right shooting defenseman for the Dallas Stars, was making $4.25 million this past year, uh, but at 29, though. So I'm very curious about how much money he could make on the open market. Well, I think he's looking for a raise on, on that contract, right? He signed it 
70 games into his NHL career was kind of a creative deal at the time. You know, what's interesting is he, I don't think in his mind has closed the, the door on Dallas, but there's really been not a lot of interest shown from the stars for some time. I mean, they did talk during the season at a point about a potential contract extension that didn't obviously lead to a deal. And, you know, now he's sort of been twisting in the wind ever since, you know, we're still talking about a player that's not that old uh, who's been productive. I know his production has dipped in, in a negative trending direction the last couple of seasons. So, you know, he's, he's not, it's not as though had he hit for agency two years earlier, just for argument's sake, I think we're talking about a different level of frenzy around him. Um, but I, I still think he's plays a premium position and has shown he can put up points in that role and will have interest on the market. You know, I look at a team like Carolina, for example, that had expressed some interest in potentially trading for him this year. Maybe they circle back now in free agency to see if they can get him signed. I'm, I'm sure there will be others. Um, but yeah, Klingberg, I think a reasonably big name. He's not that old, um, but, but probably these last couple of seasons where his numbers haven't popped quite the same. I mean, look, he's, He's playing on the same blue line now as Miro Haskinen, who's, who's, you know, taken some of his minutes, so to speak, or, you know, soaked up more of the, that role, I think in the last couple of years that might've hurt his, his trend line a little bit, but, you know, Klingberg, uh, I think will will still be, you know, between him and Chris Letang. I mean, you got two, you know, right shot defensemen that have done a lot in this league and, and, um, you know, I, I do expect him to get open market though, unless something rapidly changes in the chart, you know, the, the stars rather, come out of come out of a, a quiet period and offer him a deal and get it done here in, in you know 10 days time let's get to number seven Claude Giroux uh who uh was arguably the biggest fish available at the trade deadline a couple of months ago uh could he be on the move from the Florida Panthers he could you know all things being equal I think he'd like to stay you know I it was that was a tough period for him right he had to waive his no trade clause he got his thousandth game in in Philadelphia there's a couple teams interested and, and Claude, you know, had the, the no trade clause. So he, he had an ability to sort of dictate where he went. He chose Florida and, and I think he liked it and, and they liked him. You know, they, they would like to keep him too, but they've got some big cap issues or, or they've got cap challenges and they have other players that are free agents, whether it's Ben Sherratt or Mason Marchment uh, that they have to consider themselves. And I think for Claude Giroux, the money to some degree has to be there too. I, you know, I don't know that he's a, the spot in his career where he wants to, to take, you know, a big discount to, to play just anywhere. And so it'll be interesting to see if, if he and, and the Panthers can make that all work. It's, you know, it's not really clear yet what direction this is going. You know, usually when you have two willing parties, you can find a way, but, you know, I think Florida, there's also some news this week on Anthony Declare at Achilles tendon surgery. Unfortunately, he's going to be out for some period of time that does, you know, essentially he'll be placed on long-term injury reserve and, and it does maybe create a little bit more flexibility while he's out to, to sign some of these free agents internally that they're dealing with. But, you know, it feels like in Florida, they're not going to be able to keep everyone. And, and so we'll, we'll be kind of watching to see where, where Giroux falls in the priority line. And, and if not, I, you know, I, I, it's hard to say where he'll go. I mean, everyone in Ottawa seems to want to bring him home. I know we referenced that in a previous episode. You know, I think he'll be open to looking at what the options are at that point in time. But, you know, right now there's still hope that, that he stays in Florida from his end of things. And then, you know, he'll react if, if the Panthers aren't able to get to a place from a cap perspective where they can make it happen. Yeah. To your point about uh, Duclair's salary possibly being on LTIR, Giroux obviously a big free agent for, for the Panthers to kind of deal with, but also Ben Sherrod and Mason Marchman are also some other names that they're looking into as well. So it's pretty interesting times uh, for the, for the, for the Florida Panthers this offseason and obviously tough luck for for Anthony Duclair to have that that offseason injury uh he's you know he'll do everything to get himself back into to playing shape but to just want to acknowledge how tough that was number six is interesting on this list because <laughs> I this mean, is the shit disturber I, part of the list yeah like I don't see him playing anywhere else but if a player like that is available I mean like come on uh, Patrice Bergeron, like if he is available, you could put him on your team today. He could easily be your team's best center. Right. And look at, let's not spend too much time on this because it's probably a moot discussion. Joe McDonald, excellent reporter in the Boston area, you know, has reported last week that, that Bergeron's ready to sign likely a one-year deal with the Bruins. You know, we didn't even, we didn't even enter this offseason. We expected it was either retirement or stay in Boston, but I will tell you, I had a conversation with someone who works for another team 
And he, I was asking what players his team might be interested in. And he said, Bergeron. I was like, well, Bergeron, he's not going anywhere. He's like, look, he doesn't have a contract today. And you're trying to do everything you can to have that conversation. If that remains the case into free agency, he's a free agent. And so I do know that if he remains unsigned through to July 13th, at least one team will be calling and probably more to see if they could convince him if there's anything they could do to bring him over. And so until he signs that contract with Boston, he has a place on my list because he would be in huge demand from teams. It's just, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I, I don't think he's actually, I think he's probably resigning in Boston. I'm certainly not disputing Joe's report, but as we're recording this now, as, as of the time my list was posted at North star bets, Patrice Bergeron was still a pending UFA. And so he's on the list. I'll, I'll just say this and we don't have to go further on that. If both of us were GMs and we saw a player of, of Bergeron's caliber up there and available, we both would be calling too. I don't think that's, that should be a point of, of dispute with anyone. I don't think right. so. you got to at least let him say no. Right. Or see if he'll listen yes. or, or whatever. Um, you got to, you, you got to go through that courting period and, you know, look, he'll maybe he'll sign his deal in Boston before then and he'll get removed from my next version of this list. But as long as, as I say, as long as he doesn't have a contract, he's staying on the top free agents list. Uh, the next two players on this list, uh, not to tease too much, but uh, very interesting times ahead for that franchise and for those players. Let's get to number five first with Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins or Chris Letang, depending on which part of the country you're from. Yeah, Chris Letang. Um, I don't want to weigh in on the French yet just before we do our, our stick taps, but uh, hey, I hope you've been practicing, brother. Oh man, this is going to be bad, but you know, Chris Letang, I think all things being equal still wants to remain in Pittsburgh, I think, but it's pretty telling that we're getting this close to this time. And, you know, I really view Letang and Evgeny Malkin who's going to be next on the list as, you know, two thirds of the cornerstone of that Penguins team going back to like 2006, like, like they're, they've been there a long time. And, you know, again, almost the sort of players you feel like the organization would normally bend over to just keep signing until they didn't want to play. Even if, you know, it wasn't maybe the best hockey decision at times, just to respect what they mean to the team. But we got new ownership in Pittsburgh, right? Uh, The Fenway sports group believe when they uh, got involved with the Red Sox, Mookie Betts got moved on from the Red Sox. Like I think that, if you look at some of the way they've run their other sports teams in other leagues, the sentimentality hasn't been part of the decision-making. And so I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get this deal done, quite frankly. And so by no means do I think Latang wants to go to market and wants to go to the highest bidder. I, I don't think there's like some, you know, let's not acknowledge the rumors I think are false, but I don't, I don't think he's got a certain team in mind, not in Pittsburgh. He wants to play for My impression is he really would like to stay, but you know, this is his last crack at, at a meaningful contract, I would suggest, at his age. And so if that doesn't come in Pittsburgh, I think he's a proud guy, has a, has a clear sense of his worth. I mean, if you look around the league this year, he played, on average, his, his uh, minutes per game were second or third in the entire NHL. Like, he still logged a huge load. He put up big points total for a defenseman. And so, yeah, I, I would be fascinated if he actually hits the market where he might end up. And I, I think there'd be a few teams that would really step forward in a meaningful way, just because you normally don't get to add this player. I know he's older, so you're not looking at adding him for five cup runs or something, but you're still adding a pretty darn good player in free agency. And we don't always, you know, the fact he's not number one on the list says the top end of this crop is, is really tantalizing. Yeah. Yeah. Latoni is still very much somebody who could provide a lot of value for a team. And I'm sure his teammate, uh, Evgeny Malkin at number four on your list, could very well still do that. He could. And and look, it's starting to look more and more like Malkin is gone. I would say um, it, it just seems that, you know, I think Pittsburgh wants to go another direction and, you know, maybe, maybe having these sort of, if we call it a breakup or, you know, it's, it's sort of hard to have it happen again with franchise cornerstones and icons, but, you know, Malkin, I think it's fair to be worried about age related decline, even though he did have a point per game this season, it's fair to worry about his health because he missed half this season after significant knee surgery last summer. But, you know, I think that he's certainly there'll be teams looking to, to get him in. I, I don't know that anyone's going to get him on a bargain. So it might take some of the top contenders out of the mix just because most of those teams have spent pretty close to the cap already. And, you know, may, might not have a spare seven, eight, nine million around to, to give him even on a one-year deal. You know, the one team I wondered about a little bit 
kind of tongue in cheek, but like, would he ever consider going to Washington? I don't have the answer to that. I'm, I'm asking the question, you know, Washington is expecting to be without Nicholas Backstrom all year, you know, had significant hip surgery with a 12 to 18 month sort of timeline on his recovery. So, you know, would he ever go there and play with Ovechkin, for example, would he, would he do kind of a heel turn if we're, we're looking at like wrestling or something to go from the Penguins to the Capitals? I, I'm certainly not suggesting that's going to happen, but as, as a certainty, but you know, th- there could be some intriguing teams out there for him. You know, he'd probably be a guy who would love to go play in Florida, for example. Uh, I know he keeps a house down there, but, you know, I, given what I've already said about the Panthers cap challenges, I don't know if there's any world where that can happen. But, I mean, this, this will be pretty intriguing to see where he ends up. And, and certainly there are teams, um, you know, could Detroit bring him in? Detroit's looking for a center. I, you know, I'm just throwing some stuff at the wall. But, um, you know, it's it's – as we're getting closer to the 13th here, it's starting to look more and more like Falcon will be a, a free agent. And, you know, we're going to learn something about his thought process by what team he chooses because he's, he hasn't ever had to make a choice, right? He's, he's been a penguin for life. He signed long-term deals when he could sign long-term deals. And now he's, he's getting to map these last couple of years of his NHL career, uh, you know, potentially somewhere else. Great. You heard it from CJ people. Please don't radio him for any of the teams mentioned on Evgeny Malkin. Those are just you know, ideas and not actual teams like to have Getty Malkin. Figured I'd just add that disclaimer uh, for you, buddy. Anyone who plays a clip will cut out what you just said and they'll somehow make it anyway. Look at it. We're trying to have fun here. <laughs> this is fun for me. I hope you're having fun doing this, but don't worry about it, bro. I'm, I'm having fun. Well, I even wondered about Fleury in Washington, right? Like Mark andre Yeah. Same reasons as Malkin. It's sort of a bit of a heel turn for anyone who was a Penguin for so long. You know, he was reluctant, it seemed, to go there during the regular season when they had some trade interest in him. Would he reconsider that this summer? I, I don't know. But Washington is a team in the market for a goalie. Um, you know, I'm rooting for chaos. I'm a, I'm a reporter. We like storylines. We like a little animosity or juice. And, and see, imagine seeing two former Penguins legends in a Capitals sweater in a series against Pittsburgh. Would be That would be pretty delectable. Um, I'm not sure they can make that happen. But it would be... I'm, I'm here for the takes. I'm here for the, the content. And I think that'd be great content. Let me just go to number three before we spend like 20 minutes about what that would look like. Philip Forsberg of the Nashville Predators uh, is number three on your top list. I still think he's staying in Nashville. It just makes too much sense to me. Like I, I'm trying to, but sometimes look, when you get in a negotiation and things get stressful and it gets towards the end and we're getting towards the end, you know, emotion can play into it or, or things can, can fall apart. But from someone who's not emotionally involved or invested in how this, you know, turns out, I just look at a team that needs Forsberg and I look at a place that Forsberg loves to play a city he's played his entire career in and always drafted by Washington, but he's been a predator for the entire time he's been playing NHL games. And, you know, they've had discussions and are having ongoing discussions on an eight-year contract. So, you know, they, this is, a dynamic that's going to be playing in the Johnny Goodrow situation too. But, you know, Nashville for all intents and purposes can offer more money than anyone likely because they can offer eight years instead of seven. And so, yeah, he might not get quite the AAV he would somewhere else, but if in terms of dollars in his pocket, you know, Tennessee is a tax friendly state compared to some others and, you know, they can offer an eight season guaranteed. And so between those, those factors and the fact, I think it's been a pretty happy union. I expect it to get done. But I'm, I'm surprised, I'll say, that it got this far and isn't done. And, you know, if he hits the open market, you, we could have a debate probably about our top three. I mean, someone might place him even higher than third on the list um, because, you know, he's coming off a 42-goal season. He didn't even play the entire games. He's been a consistent goal scorer in the league. Scoring is about the hardest thing you can do in the NHL. And, um, you know, he's done it so well. And so... You know, I, I expect this to get done, but man, like if we're recording even a week from now and it's not done, it's you just start to wonder if if at the last minute, if they're going to be able to pull it all together and, and get them signed to a deal. Oh, yeah. And if a player like Philip Forsberg and his caliber are available on the market, I know we have to be worried about throwing money out there in the free agent period, but this is a guy who almost hit 50 this year. Like I, I'm very intrigued about Philip Forsberg, who's been one of the better scorers of the last how many years? Well, and he's probably given you 30 in an off year still, you know what I mean? Like even if if everything doesn't go his way, shooting luck isn't there, what have you, like, I think you pencil him in for 30 plus and yeah, 
guys score 30 around a league, but not very many of them become free agents that you can just sign without giving up any other assets but your cap space. Number two on the uh, CJ's big board. We haven't come up with a consistent name for the top 10 UFA list. We'll probably have it up in the title, though. Uh, not some workshop it. Uh, what, big board? Do you like top CJ? I thought CJ's UFA list. Top CJ's 10 top list. 30? I guess it's, if you only say top 30, you don't know top 30 what. Yeah, because that could be like songs, but you're not a big music guy anyway. Yeah, maybe big board. I don't know. Does that sound weird? CJ's big board. I like CJ's big board. Maybe my next tweet promoting this article, I'll, I'll call it CJ's big board. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Nick, producer Nick, we can't see you, buddy, but uh, give us a thumbs up or something <laughs> or, or in the chat of the Zoom or something just to let us know you approve. But in the meantime, number two on CJ's big board is Nazem Kadri, who just won a Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, Nick approves, by the way. Perfect. Yeah, Nazem Kadri. So there's a will from his side to sign back in Colorado. The question I have is, is there a way to get it done? Like, is there a reasonable way if the Avalanche are signing to Chushkin? You know, remember, they have big business to be doing with Nathan McKinnon this summer where they, you know, will look to extend him a year out. Can they also do that and sign Kadri to the kind of deal, you know, that, that makes him whole? Because I think that there's life-changing money out there for Nazem Kadri on the open market if he doesn't resign with Colorado. And so the first order of business will be for his agent and, and the avalanche to try to strike a deal. I really do believe he'd like to stay really would like to stay. Like, I don't think it's, I think it's quite sincere his interest. You know, it's been a great fit for him and his family. You know, if you look at a blue line that has Kale McCarr and, and, and Nathan McKinnon, like who wouldn't want to be part of that? There's no, I mean, there'll be challenges. Obviously, the Avalanche are already facing a bit of a cap squeeze. I'm sure this will be a common refrain as we discuss them each offseason to come. But every time you have those kind of foundational pieces, you've got a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, Nazem Kadri lives for the competitive moments, lives for what we've just seen. Um, and so we'll see if it gets done in Colorado. If not, I think you're looking at probably eight teams. You know, the teams that need center help will, will be all over him. I think he'll be the top option, you know, other guys that are out there at that position, you know, are, are like Ryan Strom, uh, Andrew Kopp, you might sign as a centerman, uh, Vincent Trocek, you know, obviously Melkin is a centerman, but I, I think Kadri is the top option at that position. You know, Detroit is a team that's prioritized getting a center. You know, I think that, that they look at their group and they've, they've been a one-line team essentially. And behind Dylan Larkin, they, they haven't had, you know, enough depth at that position you know, I, I only bring up Detroit specifically because Nazem's from London, Ontario, not too far away, short drive. I wonder if they could put an offer in front of him if he becomes uh, a free agent that, that he would take. You know, but even if it's not them, I think that there's a number of other teams around the league. I mean, Seattle wants to spend big this offseason. I think we're going to see them involved in a lot of the, the bigger name free agents. Um, you know, you name the list. I, I think it, it will be a long list of teams that want to sign them. But, you know, first order of business is, getting through the Stanley cup parade, which happens to be on Thursday. And then, you know, trying to get down to business with Joe Sackett to see if there's a, a deal that makes sense for Kadri. I mean, maybe they offer him eight years and a lower cap hit to make that work. And he takes it because look, this is a guy that's going to be 32 on opening night next year. Uh, but I believe he will get a seven year deal from another team, which is a maximum length deal. Should he become a free agent? So, you know, maybe there's ways to work and give a little lower cap hit to make it work for the abs and sign basically until age 39 or 40. Uh, but if, if, that doesn't work well he's gonna he's gonna basically sign a life-changing contract in, in another city you mentioned the seattle kraken uh they are linked to the number one player on your list or at least there have been there has been speculation that maybe they will throw an offer to this player's way and that is johnny hockey johnny goudreau uh, who recently played for the calgary flames seattle a big player this offseason that's rather interesting well, their first season didn't go great. It went more like what expansion teams have had in the past. You know, so I, I don't think it's like a gigantic failure. I just, you know, it's tough to build a team from scratch when you're not getting access to the best players in the league. This is one way to get access to some of the best players in the league. You have, you have cap space. Most teams, most of their competitors don't have much cap space to be involved in these conversations. And so I think that you're going to see them start to use that advantage. You know, I can tell you Seattle was one of the teams in big on Kevin Fiala. Uh, you know, before the trade went through to LA, but they were they were at least in discussions to make that deal themselves and to sign Fiala to an extension, uh, as he did with the Kings. And you know, so I don't think we should be surprised when we hear the Kraken tied to any sort of elite 
the you know player that can produce offense in particular. You know, if, if there's one area they they do they did make out pretty well, I think is defensively. They came away with some some good prospects, but you know it's hard to it's hard to have high end game breaking ta- talent. Excuse me. And so you know, I think if Goudreau gets the market, they'll be one of the teams in there aggressively trying to sign him. I'm still not convinced Johnny Goodrow hits market. I'm not. And I got to okay. say, we can't discount the fact that the Flames can give eight years. And so if they give him eight years at 10 and a half million, 11 million, I mean, that's 88 million bucks. You do the math on like what a seven year deal would have to be. A team would have to be offering him seven years at 12 and a half to, to give to get to $88 million. So I just think that there's a number that Calgary can put in front of them. I don't think they've got there yet. It should be clear. I don't think that offers on the table, but I still, just because he's not signed, I don't, I think it would be un, unwise to say, well, he doesn't want to stay in Calgary or anything like that. I think, I think we have to remember it's a negotiation. I think he's really comfortable there. I think it's been good for his family situation. And, you know, there's some appeal to being potentially like an all-time player for a franchise. And so I, I, I'm just, I'm, I put a cautionary note out there. I know there's some frustration maybe in this situation, like Calgary in a perfect world would love an answer and would love to have this either known that he's signing or he's not, you know, now so that they could make their sort of plan B, plan C, plan D go into action. Um, but just because he signed, isn't signed today, doesn't mean he won't sign. And, and so, um, you know, we'll see if he gets all the way to market. If he does look out for Seattle, I know a lot of people think Johnny wants to be back on the East coast closer to where he grew up, but, you know, I, I'm not so convinced that that's the biggest priority here. Um, and so it's going to be going to be fascinating to watch how that one unfolds um, because it's a bit of a game of chicken when you get into these negotiations and, and with the kind of money that he's going to make, it's, it's a high stakes game. Absolutely. Johnny Goudreau was part of the best line in hockey last year. Him leaving that, like that, I think if I'm Calgary, even if you do have a lot more money to play with, I'd be devastated because I think that line with him and Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk, that's a huge key to them being successful. If I'm Calgary, I'm doing everything I can to keep him. But, you know, and they want to keep talks, him. right? Like, that's of course they thing. do. They want to keep him. And, like, they've had an offer in front of him, um, an eight-year deal. Like, I think they Calgary understands they can offer more money, total money, than any other team, more or less, uh, with, with using that eighth year. And so I think that that's where the pressure point is kind of in the negotiation you know, as I say, I don't think this is a case where he's made up his mind he wants to leave or anything like that. But it's it's also tempting to take 115 point season to market. Like you, you don't know until you do that what you might get get out there. And so that's kind of my sense of where things are at right now. Um, but you you heard it here. Even though he's number one on our, our list of the CJ's big board, it's it's not a slam dunk. He becomes a free agent and signs somewhere else. What about some of the honorable mentions who didn't crack the top 10 of uh, the podcast edition of CJ's Big Board? You know, there's some interesting names, guys, that were in the cup final recently that we've been watching. You know, Nick Paul, for example, is a free agent in Tampa. I'd kind of assumed, you know, just because of Tampa's cap situation, he was gone, gone. I don't think that's the case. I think he is in a position where he'd like to work towards finding a deal that works for the Lightning. Maybe they give him a long-term deal and he takes, you know, a pretty small cap hit, relatively speaking. Um, to, to stay there. Uh, I think that that option is sort of at least a possibility at this point in time. You know, the goalies will be, will be fascinating to watch how that all goes down. It's, it will be a bit of a carousel. Like we can tell you teams like Toronto, Edmonton, Washington, Philadelphia, Colorado, depending on what happens with Darcy Kemper, whether they keep him or not, you know, those teams will be looking for help at that position. There's not a lot of obvious names there. And so, they'll all be in on the same crew of guys and, and we'll see how that kind of unfolds that that's usually kind of an interesting sort of sub story every, every day that the free agency starts. Cause usually those decisions have to be made quickly. And um, you know, there's, there's kind of consequences to choosing one team over the other, that the sort of butterfly effect takes, takes shape and into the future. Um, you know, that, 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 that's sort of off the top of my head, but there's, there's a lot of good names, as I said, like big picture, you know, Andre Palat will be someone I'm curious to see if Tampa can keep him. I mean, he's spent his whole career in that organization, but he's also scored a ton of big goals for anyone who's watched Tampa just, you know, get the three straight cup finals and, you know, maybe priced himself out of town there. Uh, but 
you know, it's it's a it's a pretty good list, I think, of of names in today's day and age. And we'll get we'll get a few more added between the buyouts and and some younger restricted free agents that don't get qualifying offers. You know, Alexander Gorgiev, maybe the Rangers may not get a qualifying offer, for example. You know, he could be added to that goalie carousel. So this is a this is a living, breathing list. It's not a final one because there's going to be some change here in the next week or so. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we'll be updating CJ's big board uh, between uh, here and, uh, you know, through to July 13th. And, you know, as the free agent period starts, we'll start to see some of those names kind of fly off, whether they stay with their respective teams or if they decide to go for greener pastures elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, big, good, great job on the UFA piece, by the way. Great job, Siege. Thanks. It was fun to put together. It's a good, good sort of dive into the offseason mentally to, you know, because you're so focused on the cup and everything going on. And then and it's like, oh, wow, flip a switch. And now we got to focus on what's coming next. Exactly. A, a bit of a tone switch for uh, the next segment that I want to get to here. Uh, we continue to follow the story surrounding Hockey Canada and the uh, fallout amidst uh, the settlement of a uh, of a, a sexual assault lawsuit involving a woman who alleges she was sexually assaulted by eight members of Hockey Canada's men's world junior team in 2018. Um, we've seen in the last few days a number of sponsors uh, suspending or withholding uh, their commitments to Hockey Canada. Just to go through some of the names, uh, Tim Hortons, Telus, Scotiabank, Canadian Tire, those are some prominent businesses and sponsors in Canada who have suspended commitments. And it's entirely possible that by the time you're listening to this podcast, maybe someone else has suspended commitment as well. These names have been popping up over the last how many days. Um, With the corporate pressure that seems to be coming up here, like at least from how I'm reading it, it should be a matter of time before people on Hockey Canada are either asked or just go full on with resigning. I understand that Tom Rennie is on the way out already. But that has to be the next step in all this, right? I don't know that. I can't say that for sure. Um, I think it's possible. But, you know, I, I think what, what you have when you have this sort of corporate pressure, obviously, there's a financial squeeze placed on the organization. I think it's pressure really to maybe reveal more publicly, to, to do more to satisfy the the interest. Because, you know, what I saw in some of those corporate statements was, was you know, I, a call for more transparency into what happened here, uh, more maybe of a commitment to how the organization is going to move forward to ensure it doesn't happen again. I think that's, you know, part what the, the Canadian government pressure was was meant to do more than anything. I mean, unfortunately, we can't go back and change what happened, but, you know, I think there needs to be some critical questions that are, or critical look at, at how everything was handled and, and what the fallout is. And so, yeah, maybe it results in people resigning or losing their jobs. I, I can't say that for sure, but I do think when the, the money talks, right? And so when there's a financial pressure placed on an organization under something like this, I mean, it it creates an even bigger crisis internally for that organization and they have to figure out how to move forward. And so, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but it's pretty clear as we've kind of, I think, a consistent, when we've talked about this topic, Julian, what's been consistent or what we've been consistent on is, this isn't just going away, right? Like, and now no. it's, it's abundantly clear that some actions need to be taken. And so whether it's a combination of, you know, internal changes with personnel or structural changes to how they handle things, and then maybe, you know, further punishment to to the John Doe's in this case. I mean, so far those those players have all had their identities kept private, but but maybe there's 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 more of a pressure for for punishment to be levied there, and so. Uh, obviously, we'll keep following the story. It's it's an evolving one. It's a big story. Remember, there's a World Junior Championship meant to be held in Edmonton in August, and you know what 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 becomes of that? Will will corporate will the corporate sponsorship disappear there? I mean, Hockey Canada, you know, has got great corporate sponsorships. The the companies you named are some of the biggest, most prominent companies in our country uh, that support that organization and don't want to be aligned with it right now, and so. How, how, how they proceed from here will be uh, worth paying attention to. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm totally understandable if you don't have an answer to this, but I wonder if it gets to a point where with the World Juniors or anything involving Hockey Canada on the men's side, if it gets to a point where, say, like a TSN or anyone else who has broadcasting rights to it, if they question their commitments to it, that might be a much more difficult thing to question here. But it just seems with the domino effect we've seen over the last few days with regards to the government saying something, 
corporate sponsorships being questioned. What about the viewership for this tournament? Uh, that's another question I have. It's a fair one. You know, I don't know what the agreements say. Like, I don't know how those things are structured, if there's even ability to do that. Um, but I guess, are you asking, do people still want to watch the tournament? Oh, no, not necessarily. I mean, I think that I think there will be some people who might still watch. I think there might be people who might be turned off. What I'm asking is, is if like, an, I guess essentially TSN here, and I understand you work for the network, so I'm not asking you to put you in trouble, but I'm wondering myself aloud if because of the uh, sponsorships falling and all the negative attention around it, if it would cause a network like TSN to say, hmm, we have to think about how we're going to air this or even air this at all. Maybe they, they still air it, but the way that they cover the tournament, obviously they have to consider some of the extra things that, it, well, not the extra things, but this case that has been you know, unfolding before our very eyes. I'm just curious how that would affect a network like TSN ahead of this tournament for their coverage. Well, it depends how you connect it to, right? Like the, the team that's going to play this summer, really has nothing to do with, you know, what happened there years ago. I recognize the organization. It's literally, it's a government sports organization meant to oversee the sport in the country, right? Like this isn't a private organization. This isn't, um, you know, but so who are you penalizing? I suppose should be, should be questioned. And, and, you know, I, I honestly have no internal knowledge of what, you know, TSN might may or may not be thinking, um, but I think anyone who has a relationship with Hockey Canada clearly is asking those questions internally. I mean, we've now seen what four sponsors, I believe it is, um, make some change to their support uh, sponsorship agreements. And, and that number could change. That's what I mean. I, I, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being more. I mean, usually there is a trickle down effect to this stuff. I mean, Phil Mickelson, if you follow golf, when, when his comments about the, the Saudi golf tour came out, I mean, he lost, it was just like a wave of day after day after day, all of the corporate sponsors didn't want to be associated with them for a time being. I mean, that, that, that tends to be how these things go. And, and um, yeah, I'm sure those discussions are happening and, you know, you just hope, I, I don't, I guess where I struggle a little bit, I just don't know what is a just outcome here. Um, I don't have a clear idea like what, what's going to satisfy, what, what's going to make this better at this point again acknowledging that nothing can change so far about what has happened in the past. What's the outcome here that's going to make everyone happy? And I, I don't have the answer for what that looks like. Is it a mass firing? Does that change anything? Like, like what, what should be done? I don't, I don't have that, that. That's the hard part. That's where I sort of struggle here, but clearly more, there's more to come. Like I'm not saying, certainly I'm not saying, Hey, well, they've done their part. They, they apologize in front of parliament. You know, it's, it's going to go deeper than that. I honestly, I have the same question too, maybe formulated a little differently, not necessarily in terms of what is a sufficient punishment, but how far can this go? Because I just, I, I just, I'm still surprised at how it has devolved to this point. And I am not sure at all how big of a punishment could be brought down on Hockey Canada and on those John Doe's following uh, the independent investigation. Like I have questions about how that will unfold. And I should clarify this with TSN. I'm not saying that they shouldn't air any future world junior tournaments or anything like that. My question is, how is TSN viewing their coverage of these Hockey Canada tournament or these tournaments involving Hockey Canada, considering uh, how sponsors have, have reacted. And you're right. Like, you know, there, there's nothing that can be done to change what happened that year, but clearly uh, with sponsors pulling out, that is affecting how hockey Canada can go about their business for, for, for players and, 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 and tournaments to come. And I've heard people get concerned and say, well, obviously this not just doesn't just affect the men, this could affect the women too. But I think some sponsors have gone out of their way to say, you know what, we're going to at least allot some funds the women's way as well. Like there's a lot of questions that need to be considered. It's okay that we don't have the answers for that right now. I just think the fact that we're discussing this is important, but also the fact that there are plenty of questions uh, that we don't know the answer to like that's I think that's important too. I just have no idea how bad this could really get. And it's, it's something as, as this continues to go, the more I feel as if something big could happen, but I have no idea. I have a well, lot of questions. Look, hockey Canada is a lot more than send teams to tournaments. I mean, that's what people yes. know them for, but I mean, it, essentially it runs the sport in the country. Like it, it oversees the, the, the organizations that, that run the sport across the country. So 
when you when you want to pull on a string and imagine how far it can go, I mean, we're talking about the biggest sport from participation and interest in the entire country. You know, the, the organization that's in charge of that is is under significant pressure right now to open its doors and show its work. And so, I mean, it, it could go pretty far. I mean, it, it's much deeper than one two week tournament in August, I guess, is what I'm getting at. It's because the, the scope of what Hockey Canada does is, is much, much larger than just sending teams to events. So the one sponsor I was trying to think of with regards to allotting funds to uh, to to the women's side of Hockey Canada, Scotiabank. Just want to read this state this part of the statement from uh, Katie Strang's reporting from the Athletic. As part of this pause sponsorship, Scotiabank is canceling marketing and events at the upcoming World Junior Championship in August and redirecting our sponsorship investment plan for the World Juniors to other programs, including the Hockey Canada Assist Fund, which is successfully helping to eliminate financial barriers to hockey for young people and the Women's World Championship. So there's at least one of those prominent sponsors that is allotting their funds towards the Women's World Championship. And I I just wanted that highlighted, but this is a story we're gonna continue to follow. This is something that continues to have more likes to it. And again, I have no idea how far this can go. I have, I'm, I'm similar to you. I have no clue what a fair and just punishment is but I also just don't know how severe it might actually be. So we're going to continue to follow this as, as this goes along. I know there's going to be probably more developments to come in July, uh, but we are going to continue to follow this story as long as we are up for the year. Let's get to one last thing before we get to weekly stick taps. Uh, we did kind of mention the Kevin Fiala trade off the top. Uh, we can touch up on it. I know you, you mentioned it up on your Twitter the other day. Um, but yeah, Kevin Fiala from the Minnesota Wild getting flipped to the Los Angeles Kings uh, for first rounder and defender Brock Faber. Uh, and it looks as if, according to you, CJ, uh, Kevin Fiala could be signing an extension with the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, the deal, that was part of the trade. You know, maybe they, they haven't signed everything off just at the time, but, you know, we got it's a seven-year deal. I think it was $7.875 million, a little under eight anyways, the, the, the cap hit on that deal. You know, there's a couple different teams involved till the end. As I mentioned, the Seattle Kraken were one of them. I'm told actually the Ottawa Senators didn't go right to the end, even though some, you know, there's some speculation about that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a great deal for Kevin Fiala. He was, you know, one year out from potentially being a free agent. Yeah, I think LA is a good spot for him. They, they, they want him to, to be, um, you know, they, they need some scoring help, but they're, they're also planning on becoming a pretty good team in these next years. I think we're going to see them use some of their prospect pool for other trades coming up because they've amassed a, a you know, pretty good prospect pool. And, um, you know, it's uh, took a couple of days. It sounds like to hammer out that contract, but they, they finally got it done. And it's a big, big swing for, for LA. But again, this shows the value of players who can score and players who can, produce is, is those, those are hard to find uh, when you're a team that's trying to build yourself up from the bottom. And so LA's gotten pretty aggressive here in, in signing him. And unfortunately for Minnesota, a cap casualty for Kevin Fiala with a uh, big Chuck Fletcher contracts, just really not helping Minnesota and the, uh, the uh, cap troubles or cap issues they'll be in for the next little while. Well, on the buyouts, right. To, to Parise and Suter, you know, it's, these next couple of seasons will be difficult for the Wild, but yeah, I, I think they'll be able to withstand it. And, you know, they're still going to be in a win mentality. So they're, they're going to get prospects and picks as they have here, and maybe they can parlay those into other assets too. Any idea if, uh, well, Minnesota should be still busy throughout this offseason, but I'm generally curious about how they'll go about the rest of their offseason now that they were able to shut off that salary from, from well, they were at least able to ship off his free agent rights. Uh, but uh, just kind of curious about how they might go about the rest of their offseason. Well, they need a goaltender, right? And they'd, they'd like to keep Marc-Andre Fleury to, to be sort of a tandem mate with Cam Talbot. Uh, unclear yet if that'll happen, but, you know, they remain hopeful there. So, but, you know, if Fleury ends up hitting the market, then let's add them to that list of teams I mentioned earlier that'll be um, in the goalie sweepstakes. And then they're just going to have to be sensible, right? That they're, they're not going to be a player for, you know, any of the big name forwards or anything like that, just because of the cap squeeze. Um, but, you know, I, I think with Kaprizov and, and some of the guys, Erickson act there, um, pretty strong blue line. You know, I, I, I don't think they're going to have a massive fall off by any stretch. 
Um, but it's going to be they're, they're weathering a storm here with their, their cap challenges the next couple seasons. And with that, let's get to stick taps. Uh, it's the segment we do every Thursday where uh, CJ and I show someone some love. We show someone some praise. Uh, should I start or should you start? I'll start. All right. So for those who don't with. know, for those who don't know, CJ and I, ahead of the Stanley Cup final, put together a bet uh, on who would win the Stanley Cup. I said Colorado. CJ said Tampa Bay. If the Colorado Avalanche lost the Stanley Cup final, I would have to gulp a large glass of pickle juice as pun, well, not as punishment, but as my way of honoring said bet. CJ uh, picked the Lightning, the Lightning lost. And because of this, he now has to do his stick taps in French. CJ is not fluently bilingual, as far as I know, at least in French. So uh, that's going to be a bit of a challenge, but I appreciate him. Uh, as a uh, Quebecois myself, uh, for him uh, at least trying to make this work and honoring this part of the bet. So good luck, mon ami. Merci. Uh, mon stick tap est pour Vili Turu, un journaliste uh, de Suomi, Finland. Uh, il travaille à uh, a Canada pour trois années et il um, qu'est-ce que c'est move home uh, il déménage il déménage à Helsinki cet été uh, il est un bon vivant un bon ami Hey, au revoir, Billy. <laughs> I did my best. You did it. That was like, I, you know what? That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad at all, man. That was good. I didn't even. I did not practice, which is probably evident. Like I didn't. I didn't put anything. <laughs> I didn't put anything through Google Translate and try to memorize it. I just. I did use my very limited French to wish Billy Tour, a Finnish journalist who's moving home, the best. He's a great guy, and we're gonna miss him here in North America. I was surprised. Up until you asked me about Dimitash, I thought you were reading off some block of text you wrote in Google Translate, funny enough. Hand over heart. That was just off the top of my head. That was pretty good. So, so thank you for honoring that side of the bet. Et uh, de parler en français, parce que ton français n'était pas mal. Si, si tu pratiques un petit peu plus, peut-être tu peux être un peu plus confortable avec la langue, mais uh, uh, je t'apprécie pour, uh, uh, pour, uh, pour ton français, Monsieur Johnston. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Next time I see you, I'll get you a French English dictionary and a Bechrel, buddy. All right, let me uh, give my stick taps. Uh, I know I praised him on the uh, the earlier edition of this week's show, uh, but uh, Herb Carnegie has a really great story that everyone should know in this country when it comes to hockey. And this week he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, or at least he was named as one of the incoming members of the Hockey Hall of Fame as a builder, uh, a player who is regarded as the best black player to have never played in the National Hockey League, played with Jean Beliveau as he was going through uh, the early stages of his career. The racism, obviously, that he endured, Herb Carnegie, uh, there are alleged stories that uh, Con Smythe, the owner of the Leafs at the time, would have signed him if someone were able to find a way to turn him white. That is probably the most uh, inflammatory of all those stories we've seen. But Herb Carnegie shouldn't just be remembered for that. He should be remembered for his work with uh creating hockey schools to at least kind of foster the next generation of players and, and helping to inspire uh, people to take up the sport and, and someone who is influential to the game and a name again, that people should know when it comes to the sport of hockey, especially if you live in Canada. Uh, it's nice to know that uh, the hockey hall of fame was able to acknowledge him and was able to put him in the hockey hall of fame. So I will give them stick taps for that. However, I will also add this, uh, and this discussion was also being brought up in light of the names that were mentioned. And Haley Salvian did a great job writing about this as well. We need to figure out a way to get more women into the Hockey Hall of Fame because it's an absolute joke that only two of them can be inducted in one class at a time. And a player like Kathleen Wallet can't get in and only one involved in that in this year's class, Enrica Salonen. So we need to get our game up, people. We need to find a way to get more women who have been incredible in the game of hockey, into the Hockey Hall of Fame all at once. And there's no reason for us to cap it at just one or two people every year. So stick tap for 
uh, Herb Carnegie and his family uh, for everything that they've done to the game of hockey and really happy to see him go into the Hockey Hall of Fame as a builder. But Hockey Hall of Fame, y'all got to do better. All right. That's pretty much it for this week's edition of the CJ Show. CJ, always a pleasure doing this with you. Uh, I know you're going to be in Montreal early next week. Uh, We will figure out dinner plans. And for everyone watching or listening, uh, we hope to see you on on Friday, next Friday, for the SDPN Fan Appreciation Event. Uh, It's going to be lit. We're going to be at Casual Spa uh, near the Bell Center. Uh, It's going to be a fun time, I promise. uh, Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you, Producer Nick. For producing the show i've talked enough already cj do you want to just at least end the podcast with your own words so that way it's not just me talking it is your show after all get ready for a freaking crazy two weeks everyone hope you're back next week hats off julian you're the man you are the man for cj i'm julian peace the chris johnston show powered by sports interaction canada's sports book inside the game twice a week follow chris on twitter at reporter chris and follow julian mckenzie at jk mckenzie the chris johnston show